2: Hello and welcome to the Wisdom Cricket Weekly Podcast. We've had three tests and three innings victories this week, but there's still plenty to talk about and a really cracking offer of some free beer from our friends at beer52.com if you make it to the end of the podcast. What do you mean if? When? When do you make it to the end <laughs> yeah, of the podcast? When? Sorry. <laughs> As you can probably hear, I'm joined by uh, Wisdom Cricket Monthly Editor-in-Chief Phil Walker and later we'll be hearing from Aja Sharma to discuss India's inaugural day-night test against Bangladesh. But first of all, Phil, what's your
1: moment of the week? Yeah. Good afternoon, Ben. Lovely to be back. By the way, lovely yeah, to good. be invited yeah, back to, to the hoary old podcast. It's not, not that long since you've been on, is it? No, it feels feels ages. <laughs> it feels ages. Um, Yeah. My moment of the week. Well, you can't look past what happened uh, in that game down in New Zealand, and you can't really look past England's spectacular ability to to throw away a decent position and somehow lose by an innings. Uh, they were they were taught a lesson. Uh, in New Zealand's innings, Mm. unquestionably. This is how you have to play test cricket away from home. There was a lot of noises made about attritional cricket being played when Chris Silverwood came in uh, as the new boss. Well, there was scant evidence of that, uh, certainly with the bat. Um, But my moment, if you're asking for a specific, has to be Joe's dismissal in the second innings, I would say. Joe Root's dismissal. In fact, you can probably uh, stitch the two together. The, The first innings was peculiar from Joe and garbled and... He scraped to a two from 20 odd balls and tried a kind of one day shot a sort of a steer on the rise uh, be, through what would have been a vacant third man region in a 50 over game, but was actually populated by three slips and a gully. So it was a very strange shot that spoke of a of a mind that's not quite as serene as we've seen in the past with Joe Roots batting. And then the second innings he was bounced out by Colin de Grandhomme who with respect and did bowl brilliantly and is vastly underrated bowler in international cricket. Colin de Grandhomme bowls at a pace that would embarrass most division 2 sides in county county cricket. Uh, and he was bounced out. Now the key about this shot uh is that if he was thinking clearly and if he was relaxed and if the sun was shining And he had a song in his heart, as he did for a number of years when he began uh, as an international batsman. He'd have uppercut that ball Mm -hmm. because it was clearly, it was a telegraphed bouncer. He'd bounced in the ball before and Joe had actually smiled at the bowler because it flew so far over his head, comically over his head. The next delivery is similar, but outside off stump. And he tries to cuff it, to keep it down, to play the responsible role, to be the 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 old school captain the one who's seen it and done it leading by example well the reality is you either leave that or you, you cuff it over backward point for two bounce four job done absolutely no one out there in the, in, in the outer no third man no deep square the shot was a shot of a man who is ill at ease uh, in his own game at the moment uh, the average now falls below 40 uh, he was averaging comfortably over 50 before he became captain uh, I hate to have to bring this conversation into play, but when you have big beasts like Atherton, Mike Selvey as well, talking openly and straightforwardly about how long Joe goes on as captain when it's so clearly to the detriment of his game, the primary principal reason why he's such a cherished and treasured cricketer in the first place, then we have to come onto to this question. Now I'm going to flip it to you. What do you do with Joe Root, England captain? Well, I, th- I
2: think the thing is, they're, they're talking in such fanciful terms about Joe taking England into the ashes next year. When really he's a captain, kind of whose questions get asked of his of his role series by series. And also, there's really this thing that they're almost not even looking at, not even talking about it because it's like so terrifying to imagine. It's a five test series against Virat Kohli's India in India, where really England are going to do well, not just to not lose any of those games, but to Escape with one game where they don't get beaten by an innings is going to be a success in that tour. And, I, and Joe Root, with everything he's gone through so far in his test career, a 4-0 loss down under, yep. become the first English captain to not win the Ashes in England since 2000 and 2001. Uh, he's, he's just not going to make it through that. Yeah. He's not going to make it through a, a, a battering, which is what it's inevitably going to be.
1: I think it's a very good point. And there were more than a few eyebrows raised at Chris Silverwood's unveiling at Lord's when they said quite openly, we're preparing for Australia in two and a bit years' time. As if there's not a hell of a lot of important international Mm. cricket before that. And you're absolutely right. If you think how scarring that Australia tour was for Joe Root, then you can compound that by going to India. And if you're going to India hanging on to your reputation as an international batsman, Mm. and then you have the, the kind of unbreaking misery of having to lead a side in India, which don't forget, lost three test matches at home in 10 years across this decade. They lost two against England in two weeks and then one other. They lost three test matches in 10 years. Uh, so this is what they're up against for that tour. But to hear them say at that press conference, almost just to dismiss it, to dismiss the four tests against South Africa coming up next month, to dismiss those games against India, to dismiss next summer against uh, Pakistan and so on, that's that's questionable approach and it's also, it's it's supposing that they have a kind of inalienable right to hold on to the positions that they currently occupy. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a very dangerous way to approach any kind of international sport, I think, because things can change around very, very quickly.
2: Well, Go on. Well, for me, part of it is about the the how big a thing it would be to take the captaincy away from Root, which also gets to how highly the the role is regarded it's regarded too highly i think it's In like, England. yeah In it's england, it's certainly. it's too prestigious a thing um so and so england i think i think there would be some merit to giving the role to some to, to stuart broad basically on a short term basis because i think he his legacy is secure uh, and he could approach with a light touch and he would be able to kind of like acknowledge that it's a stopgap thing until the next Mm -hmm. and they they sort of groom the successor in time Mm -hmm. but that i I don't think england could even countenance not giving it to someone without giving the impression that it's for the next five years basically the foreseeable future which is like it's just it's just too much pressure he's put on one person and it's like shown in joe that he just hasn't really been able to to cope
1: with it really okay Put, put me on the spot then on this joe root for me captains the england side through this winter okay uh and it should be said, this is
2: by far England's hardest challenge of the winter. Staff are a team also at a low ebb. England obviously showed in Sri Lanka last time that they could have success out there. Joe mm-hmm. Root could easily come back to form, and even if he doesn't, England might like lose this series. But could win the next two? That's not inconceivable. Yeah,
1: yeah. It's, it's twofold for me. One, there's not an obvious candidate to take mm-hmm. over at this stage. And two, it's always better to be absolutely sure... Uh, before you make a, a decision as, as grave as something like this. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, he's a bright man and a sparky and bright cricketer. You see the way that he bats as proof of that. But what we haven't yet seen as a captain is an intuitive, imaginative, and kind of electrifying approach to the job the the best captains, you have that sense that they are alive to possibility all the time. And you see it not just in, in how they, in how they move a field around, although the good ones do that and they, they preempt what's going to play out, but in how they conduct themselves and how they, how they walk and how they talk. Joe, whenever you see him, he seems like it's already beginning to, to drag him down. The shoulders are more hunched and, and rounded than ever before. The voice is very much in the minor key. Uh, and they are, all teams are an extension of their captains. And this team, it struck me halfway through New Zealand's um, painful, painstaking and uh, artful test match innings, because mm-hmm. this is how you do it. This is really how you do it. But it struck me as it was incredibly flat on that third morning. And the game, you went into it thinking, okay, they're four down, 200 behind England, should get a lead, you know, 50, they'll take that. Uh No, I had no evidence of that whatsoever after an hour or so. And what struck me is how introverted they are as a group of people. Uh, Now, on the one hand, that makes them very nice and attractive characters. There's none of the kind of alpha style, you know, of of previous eras. But on the other, when the yakka has got really hard out there and it's hot and the ball is ramrod straight, you need someone Stokesian, to get things going, but he 's the only one he 's mm. the only one in that in that team. The rest of them are lovely but reflective, quiet introspective kinds of characters uh, and the lack of an obvious extrovert driver of of the atmosphere of the team is becoming problematic and you see it in joe's captaincy i 'm afraid he was described um as insipid uh by by Selvie today yeah. on, on Twitter who was. Uh, referencing Atherton's piece in the Times,
2: NASA saying as well as had Na- NASA also,
1: yeah. so it's no longer a case that you know the likes of ourselves are sitting in a room somewhere pontificating about the future of the England captain for something to say. The the, the big beasts are talking about this now, and it's unavoidable, I'm afraid. Just to finish off, I would I would give him this winter to <laughs> see where he ends up, to see if he can find that balance, that alchemy between runs. And inventiveness as a skipper. And find the odd victory. Uh, and then we'll see where we get to. But if it really is a, a rut that he can't shake, then I give it to Josh Butler. Because you know that my feelings on Butler are that he is a test match player. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that he can cope intellectually with the challenge. He's very well respected. He's listened to in the dressing room. Uh, I would be inclined to go that route. I wouldn't give it to Broad as a stopgap, personally. I would give it to Butler. Not least, if you're talking about the big series next year being India, then Broad's probably not going to play too much in India. Yeah, that, that's where comes I, around very quickly. I,
2: I would have seen Broad, if it, that, that would be Broad if England decided to go for someone else after New Zealand. And I, th- I think that, because that he, he probably wouldn't play in Sri Lanka either, but I almost think there's merit to that, in that if Broad's the permanent captain and say, Butler takes over for those, that for that series, then it's almost that that gives him, an, eases him into the role, mm-hmm. I guess. Mm-hmm. As he sort of like had his his apprenticeship under, under Owen Morgan in the one day. So so I guess I'd, uh, yeah, I mean, it's worth, the the main thing with Rue, as much as there's, start to be desired in his captaincy it's just the batting that, that, that's course, the main thing it's just he's, he's like England aren't going to be the number one test side in the world unless Joe Root's averaging 50 and he's averaging as you say less than 40 yeah. as captain less than 30 this yeah. year
1: and, and I've said something similar on this show before about captaincy and how we fetishize captaincy in England in particular there have been many many great players who have not really been captains of any note who have tried it dipped their toe found it wasn't really for them you can think of Dravid you can think of Tendulkar or Kallis players like that great players for whom captaincy just did didn't fit. They were they were almost too good mm. to be embol- to be burdened, in, encumbered by the captaincy. So, look, it might be an old story in a few months' time, and I really, really hope it is an old story. Uh, but it's hard to shake the sense that it does not come naturally to Joe Root, and the knowledge of that is compounding his struggle, his struggles with the bat.
2: Yeah, and we, we don't want to spend too much time on England, but I thought just. To- you mentioned that the, the captain sort of sets the tone for the team's innings. I like thought yeah. that Roots dismissal, as well as showing the headspace he's in, it shows the dilemma the team finds themselves in between trying to be this more attritional team and trying to be more attractive. Because I, I almost don't think it's fair to say exactly that they didn't show any signs of the attritional. Stuff because they were 270. Oh, they did for, in the first innings, well, but then but they... In, in the first day of the first innings, but, but it's the, they almost thought, well, that's enough proper batting, now you can kind of hit out. And they still kind of talk of it as, like, you've got to, like, earn the right to play your shots or earn the right to dominate. And that's not true. You, you don't have to earn the rights or anything. You've just got to bat for basically as, as long as you can. And the, the key thing for me was the fourth morning when New Zealand went into that 60 ahead and six down and they still ground it out. They made 58 of 30 overs in the session and England could never play a session like that and you have to be content and almost set out to play a session like that if you want to win test matches on flat pitches basically.
1: Yeah, yeah. I felt a little bit sorry for Stokes in the first innings because he would played the situation so well and he'd been advancing down the track to meet the ball on the half volley not to be flashy Mm. and showy and then he Gee, just let himself go for that one delivery and it was his fate to nick it and nick it hard. Great catch by Ross Taylor. And then then it begins to unravel and then it unravels quite quickly. They lost three or four in about 20 minutes or whatever it was. Mm. You know, Sam Curran, first baller and so on. Uh, if if Stokes had seen it through, got to 120 odd and he was batting comfortably to do that, then it would have been a slightly different looking game, I think, because England would have got up to 400, 420. Mm. Then it would have played out slightly differently. I think... They have to learn from this. Uh, there's so many bits that you can pick out as well. That first innings, Butler was batting beautifully, got to 40-odd. But the game went nowhere because they put the field out. Jack Leach was batting very nicely at the other end. Just take the single, just take the single. Yeah. Just take the single off the first ball. If, if So be it. You know The pitch was flat as you can get. Uh, the game went nowhere. And in the end, Butler spooned one over to, to deep cover. Whether the fielder was there or not is another thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know, look, they will learn a lot I think from what's happened, the question is can they actually institute it for next week because if they get stuff 2-0, then that's a pretty grim way to begin what is a very important winter for them Yeah, would you make any changes? No probably not, I would be, I would be tempted to have played the leggy um, Matt Parkinson who's on the tour, I thought Jack Leach was ineffectual, he took two for 150 but both wickets were gifted to him really. It was a poor sweep shot from the opener. Mm-hmm. Uh and then it was a chipped caught and bowled when they were seven hundred and twelve for two or whatever <laughs> it was by the end. So he was very ineffective on those pitches. Uh and it was brought into relief when you saw Santner getting getting turn immediately when they came on when he came onto both second innings. Santner had never taken more than three wickets apparently in a first class game in New Zealand and mm-hmm. yet he England gave him three wickets and six overs. Uh but Leach, Leach struggled there um he it, did he did
2: keep the runs down and sometimes yeah, but that's he almost was all you can do though, isn't it? wasn't he, he was yeah milked. but 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 sometimes i mean like england really should have drawn this game and should have drawn it
1: and they didn't because of the bat not because like, yeah and, and there's, there's something to be said of, of that they've lost the plot overseas before okay but but the, this is where we get to the nub of of what you're trying to achieve away from home and uh there is a standard good pragmatic argument I think Yaz was writing it for wisdom recently you know that um, you need to stay in the game away mm. from home you need to be prepared to draw games away from home in which case having uh, a left arm spinner who doesn't really turn it very much on those kinds of pitches bowling into the rough outside leg stump to defensive fields has its purpose uh, but they cruised to 600 and they took the spinner for 150 from the best part of 50 overs I would personally prefer to see, in this side, uh, a leg a leg spinner once he's ready, who's who's going to go at four and a half, five and over, but who's going to take you more wickets. Yeah, I just think if Parkinson plays that game... I'm not saying he plays next week think sure, it's too but, early but for if, him.
2: But if he played this game, New Zealand would have been able to declare as much as a session earlier and then England have no chance of saving the game.
1: Yeah, and unless he rags one past Watling's outside edge. Yeah.
2: Yeah, no, I, I, I can see You know, it's, ways, yeah.
1: it's, it's difficult. And as I'm saying, I, I wouldn't pick Parkinson for this upcoming game because he's had very little foot four-day cricket. They're still looking at him and he still needs to learn the ropes. But going down the line, we've seen for years the limitations of a finger spinner away from home mm-hmm. outside of subcontinent conditions. Uh, and they go the distance. Um, Leach is accurate, but in these conditions he struggles. And there's no escaping that fact. It'll be interesting to see in South Africa what happens. You assume Leach will keep the gig for South Africa, and he probably should. Um, but it's a watching brief, I would say, on this one. Um, and while Parkinson, I can get too excited about Parkinson, and I have that tendency, uh, if there is the possibility that we have a player there that we can work with, that he can fit into that team as a fight as one of a five-man attack and bring a little bit of magic... Then, in certain conditions, I'd be prepared to look at that. I'm intrigued when he plays alongside Leach in Sri Lanka, mm, which I yeah. assume will happen. That'll be an interesting shootout between the two of them.
2: Yeah. Uh, well, you can listen to daily podcasts after say of that as as England get thrashed by New again again. Uh, on on uh, yeah on on, the, on your wisdom. Do, do you
1: think that that will happen? Do you think New Zealand will stroll it?
2: Uh I don't. I, I, it might well not be as close again, but they are just so good at home. It's it's.
1: I mean it's seven series now in, at home that they've avoided defeat. Yeah,
2: I think that's right. Yeah. Uh since and the, the South Africa one they lost was quite unlucky really. They lost one game I think fairly narrowly. Yeah, they then, are they are formidable. Um and,
1: and yet we always, we always affect surprise, don't we? Yeah. Oh, what what New Zealand? What we we getting beat yeah, well, I'm afraid we are getting beat by New Zealand, and yeah. we we tend to get beat by New Zealand when we go out there.
2: And, I mean, for them, this is their their, their easiest engagement of the summer. They they mm. go
1: to Australia to play there, and then India come. But, s- sadly, only for two Test matches. I mean, what a series that would be. The New Zealand in yeah. New Zealand, with Coley's boys turning up there. How can we allow for just two Test series to take place? Yeah, that, that is... That anyway. Is really yeah, Anyway.
2: Um, so yeah, and uh, the uh, the other thing from the test is that we had the uh, the, the saddening news after it that Joffre Archer, oh, been the Joffre story, yeah, oh, yeah. Re- re- received racial insults from one fan. We hear while batting, it sounds like the uh, the authorities might have made some progress in identifying who that is. And
1: they have found the person, have they?
2: I think I think so. Or at least there are reports that they are close to identifying him through maybe a, an Instagram message he sent to Joffrey Archer afterwards. Oh my word! Um, uh, and but yeah, ev- everyone's been very
1: apologetic, but mm. it's it's. Sadening and worrying, and second time as well that Archer's been subjected to this kind of shit um, in the six months or so that he's been an international cricketer. Yeah, uh, Old Trafford as well. Yeah, in the Ashes he was subjected to this kind of rubbish. Yeah,
2: we had similar situations in Australia last winter as well. There were some fans ejected when they were playing India for chanting Sharsha passports" or something. Yeah. So
1: yeah. Yeah. It, it, it tells us. It tells us two things, I suppose. One, it's no kind of news that racism still ticks away uh in in this, the consciousness of too many people uh but also too i think it, it tap, taps into this this kind of social media hysteria that we have it's interesting that this this tosser sent a message to him on instagram afterwards as if almost in his head they're interchangeable you know mm-hmm. you can throw abuse you can chuck mud at people online and so you may as well be able to chuck them chuck it from behind the sight screen at a cricket match as well it's almost like that it's indiscernible the difference between the two Look, it's it's horrific there's nothing more that we can say at this stage i think obviously it's horrific for for Joffre as well so we'll have to stomach it but again fair play to the boy he's called it out he's 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 drawn attention to it on social media as well mm-hmm. um yeah and all we can hope for is that they clamp down on it as much as possible if it's going to happen again yeah should
2: we talk about Babar Azam?
1: Oh yeah, go on. Yeah, okay. So I didn't see it though. I saw the highlights, but I didn't see it live. I think I, I was thinking. Did you was, did you catch much of it live? So well, well, let's let's first
2: fill people in. So, Babar uh, Azam, the the crown prince of of Pakistan batting, as we must always call him. I like that. Uh, made his a uh, made a second test century as first outside the UAE. Uh, Pakistan were beaten by innings and. Do you remember that time in five when, you told runs? Me when you told me it was crap? I don't, I don't do, I don't remember that. Do you so not? Actually, no, no. I, don't, I don't think that okay. happened. We might have
1: to dig that early mm. nascent podcast out, Ben Gardner.
2: Mm, maybe, yeah, we'll we'll, we'll see. Anyway, yes. Yeah, so, uh, so, so they they were gone and forgotten in the game. Yeah. Aust- uh, so just Australia made loads and loads of runs. David Warner mm-hmm. first test century' mm-hmm. come back. Minus labshane first test century overall. Joe Burns narrowly missed out on 100. Yeah, 500 and, and absolutely loads. Yep, Yeah. Uh, yeah. Way behind and the game. Yet,
1: then. despite Australia. You know, kind of casually romp into an innings innings victory uh, at the Gabba. Warner's return and so on. It's interesting that we still turn to Babar. This as, is the story, yeah. yeah and that if you notice as well on the various websites, uh, not least ours, BABA is the story. And it's this thing that cricket throws up where you can, as an individual, be in a team that's getting absolutely stuffed. And yet, if you perform, and if you perform on alien condition in alien conditions such as uh, Baba experiencing in Australia, then that elevates uh, the story ahead of the result. The result is almost secondary. Australia always win at the Gabba. We know they do. Pakistan has got a 16-year-old opening bowler. <laughs> Baba is the story. Uh, and glorious as it is. It, 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 look, it's only a second Test 100, so we're going to get carried away with it, I suppose. But... <laughs> He absolutely is ready to um, gently elbow Joe Root aside uh, and clamber into that into that magical top four. Yeah. That Coley Smith-Williamson uh, top three them, yeah. plus Baba. Uh, his one-day record is phenomenal. The way that he goes about it uh, breaks your heart into a thousand tiny pieces. Uh, and the Test career, if they can play enough Test cricket, then he's, it's all there for him. He's only, what, 25, I think? 25 mm-hmm. years old. Um, nobody gets up on their toes and punches it through extra cover off the back foot like Babar Razam. Okay. Nobody in the game.
2: Yeah, it was it was interesting because like it's funny with him because you, you, you really want to watch it, and so neither of us watched. We watch the highlights, but you, I, I don't actually really think you need to. Like, I don't think any innings you'd ever watch of him tells you anything <laughs> yeah, more about cool. him because yeah. you already know he can do it all. You already know what every shot is going to look like. It's nice to be reminded, but you know that it's going to be absolutely like technically perfect and like beautiful to watch It's the, the, the thing is just that he <laughs> that he does make hundreds because we kind of know he can we yeah. know he's good enough the only thing
1: standing in his way is himself really i, I hear but, what you're saying we watched some highlights before we came on this show didn't we i mean yeah. we, we're so cool this is what we do <laughs> we sit together and watch cricket highlights uh he climbed into the quicks uh who were trying to bounce him and the gabber is is nobody's fool of a, of a cricket pitch and he climbed into them, pulling them in front of square through straight mid-wicket. It just shows what a talent he is, that he sees it so quickly, sees mm-hmm. it so early. Uh, but can play it so late if he wants to as yeah, well, yeah, can't yeah, he? so yeah. you know. Unfortunately, he's playing a different game to his his peers. Um, yeah. Although, you know, as as you say, Rizwan, you know, the new keeper batsman got 90-odd. yard Sajjafik, 70 yard in the first innings. Yeah. Little, little shoots, but yeah,
2: they're, they're quite a long way off Australia in these conditions, as they have been for a Long time they all. Australia is the one place they just can't play mm. at all. Mm. Um, yeah, they, they, they did have one bit of success though. Steve Smith made just four, and it's the first time he's ever been the lowest scorer in an Australian test innings, which good is a stat. Which is good stat. Yeah, and yeah, a belter. Yeah, well, someone else likes the stats, Yazzie Shah, because he uh he got him out for the seventh time. Oh, in Test gave cricket. You the seven fingers. Yeah, the seven fingers. Yeah, if you've seen uh if you've seen her uh, friends and uh, particularly with Monica,
1: you'll know you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> um <laughs> Uh oh yeah, you did a successful tweet, did you? I did, yeah. Ben's but, successful tweet. Yeah, my, my one of the month, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, well don't 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 poke the beast. Yeah, you know. Yeah, that's my, my word.
2: Steve Smith, quadruple
1: hundred incoming, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um Yeah, look it's difficult with Pakistan. It's a, such a hard place to get a result, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um I thought they would do a little bit better than they than they ended up doing, though. You know, and they were sixty odd for naught at lunch, having won the toss. And if they'd just managed to put some kind of score on the board, it could have been a half decent game of cricket. You know, they do have a wicket taking leg spinner. They do have pace uh, through the air and off the pitch with with a couple of seamers. Um, But yeah, Australia on their own patch, especially at that ground, you're always up against it. Do you know where the the next game is? Is it Adelaide? Normally, is Adelaide.
2: Adelaide sounds right. Yeah.
1: Okay, well, it might turn. might turn for Yasir there. You never yeah. know. Yeah, you never yeah. know. Yeah, uh, And
2: they weren't helped by this funny situation with no balls not being oh, called. They yeah. did a, a, bit, a bit of video analysis after the game showing that it was, or after one of the days, uh, 21 no balls, I think it was, that weren't called. And then Nazim Shah yeah. inevitably had his first test wicket
1: chalked off because he'd overstepped. Yeah. It, it, firstly, brutal game, obviously. Yeah. Uh, secondly, umpire's got to look at himself here because if... It, if a young kid plus his mates are bowling, what was it, 21 no balls? I think that's right. 21 no balls before the first one is checked, and the only reason it's checked is because there's a wicket that's come from it, mm-hmm. then the umpire's not doing this job on behalf of the bowlers. If you're a young, you're a young or old bowler, irrelevant the age, and you're running in, and you're landing your front foot and nobody's saying anything, and the umpire's just carrying on as normal, then you have no idea where your front foot's landing. So you assume you're given this kind of fragile confidence that you're doing the right thing so the umpire is negligible on this part and not just to you know because australia have been deprived of 21 runs but because the bowler has been lulled into a false sense of security and so i felt incredibly sorry for the kid and i saw this one this bit live i felt so sorry for him when you're busting a gut you know you're already losing you nick warner off And then it's called back for that. It's a problem. It's a clear problem. We have so many gizmos and the technology in the game is great now. It must be inevitable that we get to a point where where it's called immediately uh, by a third umpire who's looking along the line.
2: Yeah, and I I think the age thing is relevant and the, the... The, the debut thing as well because sure it is relevant b- up to a point but b- it b- it well, I just think it doesn't excuse any umpire no no but I, but I think I think it's, it's more that that it almost makes it more understandable that it would happen the no ball that he'd be bowling because you're, you're you're straining that bit more than you ever have yep. before you're yep. trying that bit harder that bit more desperate and then you end up going over the line yep. not yeah not on though no 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 and and it's weird that the, when they tried the technology before it just it seemed to work it's just funny that it hasn't been even if it's not everywhere that it's not rolled out when it can be used it's, yep. it's, it's a real situation yeah it's a mess I need to clear that up yeah uh, so in the, in the other test match this week India mercilessly smashed Bangladesh by an innings in two and a bit days Virat Kohli scored 100 again their quicks at loads of wickets again it was as crushing as it was inevitable but with it being India's first pink ball test it still threw up plenty of talking points and calling in from India to talk about it is Wisdom writer and podcast debutante Adi Sharma Adia, what's your moment of the week?
0: The moment of the week for me was uh, the one-handed catch that Riddiman Saha took. Uh, The ball was dipping on him and he just thrust himself to the right and took the catch with his right shoulder in play, which was the shoulder he got injured on, and he had to sit out for 20 months. I think that, that particular catch stood out for me.
2: If you had to compare him to Pan, I mean, is there a comparison to be made, really, or is he just so far ahead?
0: I think he's technically much more adept, and he's been ex- he's experienced also. He's played in different conditions, and um, <clears throat> I think the way he he looks at the game, he's known to be a very hardworking person. He puts an extra effort into everything, and that really stands out when he's playing the game. And I think there are stats to show how how competent he's being he's been behind the stumps.
2: Yeah, yeah. Okay. So do you think is that it now for Pant for the time being, or do you see situations where? If it's likely to be a really hard test to keep in, India play Saha. But if it's one where it's going to be pretty flat and you just want your kind of batsman who's most likely to make a big hundred, do they pick Pant? What is is I guess is is this going to be another thing that Virat Kohli kind of rotates on a test by test basis?
0: I think, frankly, from my end, I, I believe that Pant was was a makeshift option in Test cricket when Saha was not there. Mm-hmm. He did yeah. make a point with his with his batting. He really scored well. He scored hundreds in Australia and England but his his keeping still feels raw for red ball cricket and uh, i think if you if you look at it at an overall perspective saha is a decent batsman but he's he's a much more better keeper he's really good at his stuff and he uh, i think if you look at how he handles both pace and spin and how versatile he is i think that that really gives him the edge over pant at this point
2: i guess apart from sort of that nice positive note for india it wasn't really a test that was kind of ever gonna throw up any surprises, like I think everyone expected India to win and win big, but it was still watched quite closely just because of it being a day-night test. Uh, how did the uh, the pink ball, and should remember that this is the SG pink ball, which has never been used in any cricket match before, I think, how, how did that play?
0: Uh, I think it's still early days for pink ball in India. The, the SG pink ball that was used, we could see that there was a lot of late swing on the ball and uh, the ball was swerving after leaving the batsman, mm-hmm. after passing the batsman. Mm-hmm. So um I think there are a lot of factors right now that people are still unsure about and um I think the visibility of the ball also has been talked about a lot it has come in play and um I think particularly for the SG ball it was said that it comes really hard when you're fielding you can you can feel the sting mm-hmm. of the ball mm-hmm. so I think that the the whole shiny part of the ball the the, the shiny aspect of the ball how hard the ball stays and um the swing that it that it's imparting at the towards like after leaving the batsman those are some factors that people are looking at right now
2: considering that they had never used this ball for any sort of practice or anything or well they might have used it in the nets but not in any sort of practice game uh, and that it was kind of like almost rushed out this pink ball test do you think do you think looking back is it is it too much of a rush did they do they kind of need to take this risk i guess especially thinking that two players got concussed during the game was it like was that worth it, I guess?
0: Uh, I think that's one thing that both uh, Kohli and for Pujara have been speaking about. It's about getting proper practice before really going into a pink ball game. Uh, even when they're having talks about having a match with Australia, uh, both players have said that we would really want a proper pink ball practice game before we really go on and play a test match. So I think the most important thing right now for all of them is to is to get proper to get actually acclimatized to how the pink ball reacts. And um, I think there are still a lot of doubts regarding how how uh, it plays out over a period of time. Because even in this game, we saw only about what two, just over two, two days of game. Mm. It, 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 the match mm. did not even last about a thousand deliveries. I think it was the shortest game in terms of deliveries in India. So uh, there's still a lot of... Um, not the People are not really sure about how... How things go with the pink ball, and players themselves are not really sure as to how, how, how much of an impact and how how deep they can take this, and how seriously they can take the pink ball game when it comes to test cricket at this moment.
2: You you rightly bring up sort of a lot of different factors about the ball, the fact that it's so hard and sting in the palms, and it's it's the kind of you can't know without practice because they have to go through such different technical things to to create these balls that are different to how you make a red ball. So you don't know how it's going to go until you play with. It. But I think that that also contributed to like a, a maybe a heated discussion on air between Sanjay Mandraker and his co-commentator Harsha Bogle when they were sort of discussing what could have been the reasons behind uh, the, the, the batsman struggling. I guess can you can you just talk talk us through kind of their discussion
0: for people who who, who weren't privy to it so uh, this particular discussion was was raised this discussion started with Harsha Bhogle speaking about the viability of the pink ball and how there needs to be a, a proper post-mortem done to see how the ball has reacted and how players are looking at that pink ball. So, Harsha Bogli just raised this point. He said that it's important to know the reaction of the players and how they have been dealing with the pink ball when it comes to the visibility. Uh, but Sanjay Manjarekar was not really sure as to uh, if this is even an important factor to talk about because he believes that visibility was not a problem. It's because he, he saw Rohit Sharma taking a brilliant catch and Ridhiman Saha taking a catch in the slips. So he says that visibility was not a problem at all. Now, this led to a difference of opinion, which is good to have in a cricket commentary box, but it just took a little bit of an ugly turn because the way those two reacted, the way those two spoke, was, was not really smooth talking at that point.
2: Yeah, it was, it was particularly sort of the you haven't played the game, so you can't really have an opinion sort of thing, which I guess is a bit is a bit damning, damning for us too, if, if that is the case. <laughs>
0: I think the question raised by Bogle was a pertinent one because he was talking about the ball in terms of how spectators are looking at the game and how uh, for someone who is not really sure about how the pink ball reacts, to know more about it, to gain more knowledge about it. But uh, Sanjay Manjarek just brought in the whole concept of him playing first-class cricket and international cricket and Bogley not playing that. So I think that was one particular factor that he should not have brought in in the discussion, which, which completely made the whole argument kind of baseless. Because, very frankly, Sanjay Manjrekar isn't the most popular Indian commentator there is. Mm. And Harsha Boghle mm. is both respected and popular and one of the most experienced ones at that. So... I think Manjrekar said something and I might be paraphrasing it but he said that you need to ask the players Harsha for those who have played the, the game a fair bit it's quite evident so so putting that right on his face that Harsha Bhogle has not played international cricket I I don't think that was really a point to make at that point
2: considering all the kind of the controversy and as you say it's a stark statistic that it's the, the shortest ever test in India I guess what why are they sort of taking such really what's quite an extreme step is it's is, is test cricket in india does it does it need this is this uh is this required to to sort of keep the game relevant
0: i think that there's been a lot of chatter not only in india but everywhere about how test cricket is or might be uh, declining in in terms of popularity just because of t20 cricket we're not sure what parameters are used because an mcc survey just said that test cricket is actually booming in india particularly i think uh the, the interest for the game stays the same, and um, I think the only factor right now is how we look at the question itself. Is it are we talking about uh, people in stadiums and crowd capacities and crowd attendance, or are we just talking about how many people are actually watching the game? Because there has been a there has been a clear shift, obviously, to maybe televised games, uh, watching the game on TV, on mobile phones, and. Uh, this, the, there has been a steady decline, maybe. There has been a little decline in the kind of crowds that were used to be there before and how they are right now. But you really cannot compare an Eden Garden crowd in 2001 to what you can compare now because the game has evolved a lot and the way the game is consumed by the public has changed a lot. So I think there are different factors that are co- that come in play. I don't really think that Test Cricket is declining. There is a lot of interest. It's just that it's been consumed in a different way, right?
2: Uh, well, thanks very much for joining us, Adia.
0: Thank you so much.
2: So, Phil, mm. the mag's out this week, and it's a oh, special yeah. issue, this one, covering uh, the decade that was pretty comprehensively. Uh, talk us through, well, I guess that in particular, and then we'll talk about the rest yeah, of it.
1: Yeah, special collector's edition, no doubt. Wow. Um, Ten years in 40 chapters, the stories of the decade. Uh, it's been a big undertaking to pull this thing together, and we've roped in... Uh, some outstanding writers, mm-hmm. um, from the likes of Tanya Aldred to Lawrence Booth to Joe Harmon to Jeff Lemon to Rob Smythe to Tell for advice to me even
2: Tar Hashim as well. Hashim, of course,
1: yeah. up- upcoming young gunslinger. Um, and we sat down; you were you were part of this debate as well. And we tried to narrow it down to. The we 40. thought we thought we'd get it to twenty at first, didn't we? <laughs> yeah, the forty stories could have been hundred and forty. Um, Rob Smythe writes, writes the first one. And when I commissioned it for him, uh, he had to go and check the dates because he simply couldn't believe <laughs> that Mattia Muralitharan's 800th wicket falls in the decade that we're still just about hanging on to. But yeah, July the 22nd, 2010, Gaul, Sri Lanka, India, Murali's 800th. And the story, the 40 stories begin from there. We go through cricket's problem from hell, the, the noble horrors of, of Lords 2010, Pakistanis opening bowlers. Irish cricket comes of age against England in 2011 in the World Cup. England, of course, overturned Australia 10-11. Stephen Davies comes out as, 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 as gay, the first gay cricketer, uh, openly gay cricketer in English cricket. Captain Cole Dhoni delivers the World Cup. It goes on and on and on. South Africa climbs to number one in the test rankings. Sachin heads off 200 and, and out, finally, 200 test matches. Johnson, Mitchell, Mitchell Johnson brings the fear. Yeah,
2: there's, there's a really good combination of sort of cricket moments that you'll remember and want to relive and sort of the stories off the field that you might yeah. have sort of forgotten about, I think. <laughs> we it's we, a... we
1: tried we try to identify stories that carried a broader context. Yeah. And so it was only towards the end that we realised the 2015 World Cup. Uh, we didn't even mention Australia mm. in the 2015 World Cup. But what can you say? Aside that, that aside it from, wasn't really their story, was it? I I mean, no, in winners, some ways it was but, New Zealand's story. Yeah. And we touch on New Zealand's story, the McCullum Revolution elsewhere. But the, the Australia story, what, what can you say other than sustained excellence mm. in, in, in 50 over cricket? Uh, and so possibly a few people will quibble that we've left out some straightforward on-field greatness and brilliance in favour of stories that maybe echo a little bit deeper and further. But we make no apologies for that. You know, we, we give two pages to Bavuma's 100 at Cape Town in 2016, which yeah. didn't really affect the game itself. Dead it game, was, yeah. It was a dead game. But what it meant to South African cricket and South African life, it's brilliantly written up by Telford Advice, the South African writer. Mm. This echoes throughout the game and continues to reverberate now. So, yeah, look, it's a big one. It's a big, big yeah. piece. It was a tough thing to pull together. I can't lie to you. Uh, but, yeah, I'm very, very proud of this, I have to say. Very proud of this whole section. Um, it takes up quite a lot of your magazine, mm. but it's worth it. I would say, yeah, I hope. and
2: there is still plenty out since that. Uh, I very much enjoyed the uh, the interview you did with Sarah Taylor. Did you? Ben? Yeah, I, I really did. Yeah, Are I mean, you sincere. No, I actually am. Phil, yeah, for once. Yeah, yeah okay, good. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, the thing. Why? Well, the, 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 thing, the thing with Sarah, and I mean talking about mental health in cricket has come a very long way. And I think we've seen that recently with the Australian cricketers who sort of stepped away from the game. Mm-hmm. It, that that should be seen as a positive thing that players are feeling comfortable to do this. But Sarah still talks like really no one else in any sphere yep. uh, about the, like, the sort of mundane reality of what it's like to be living with a mental health issue, which helps people who don't have them to the same extent or at all to actually understand what people are going through. It's mm-hmm. so easy to like, see all these things as kind of like different things on the same spectrum or scale and it's just absolutely mm-hmm. not the case like anxiety is such a different illness to depression and they, they all have like diff- different causes and ways they affect people and yep. things that it means you can't do and that sort of thing and and Sarah just gets to the heart of that so well when she's talking about the specific factors that really influence her decision the places she was going to be Going the fact that she can drive in one place and not in another, or that she has she to take,
1: calls her car her safe space. Yeah,
2: yeah, it's uh, she she does it brilliant. But then also, I think there's the 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 recognition of her just her status in the game as one of the the best and probably maybe the most talented player of of her era.
1: Yeah, well, she, she she turned me on to women's cricket. You know, she's the only she was the first female batsman that I can honestly say I got a real kick out of watching. Um. And then, of course, it spread into her wicketkeeping as well for, for, for all of us, every neutral out there. Um, I, I appreciated women's cricket before I saw Sarah Taylor back, but after that, I loved the scope and scale of women's cricket. Um, and if she has a true legacy, and I, I kind of do touch on this in the piece, if, if she has a real legacy within the game, it is that, that, that she, she smashed down the door uh, for women's cricket and made it a compelling package, not just an earnest uh, and enjoyable package, Uh, pastime or something to appreciate uh, from afar respectfully but something to really get your teeth into something that was alive uh, and exhilarating Um, and she she was right in the vanguard of that I think Uh, she was an international cricketer at 16 years old and it's interesting to think that back then, of course, it was amateur. You, you paid your own way. You muscled in on, on on men's teams at school if you were lucky, or if you had the the hutzpah to to get it going. Uh, now, of course, if you're a really gifted 15, 16 year old female cricketer, then you're you you you're in the pathway, and then you're taken through, and you're you're centrally backed, if you like. Back then, you relied on on guts and class and gifts, and she had such an abundance of them that she was able. Uh, a few months before her 18th birthday, to smash 100 against Australia uh, in a 50-over game for England, but she did it because her talent was otherworldly at times. Yeah, yeah. So what
2: what, what else have we got in the magazine then?
1: Uh, Zafran Sari continues to mesmerise us all. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I ha- actually haven't evening. read
2: this one. The magazine has just arrived in our office today.
1: Um, it's, it's kind of a letter to his to his former self yes a letter to Lovely. his youthful self yeah things that he wished he'd fully taken heed of uh, old truisms in the game that maybe contradict the things that y- your first coach may have said to you and he what he wishes he'd have listened to more intently he said he might have been a better cricketer if he had i'm just going to leave that with you though because you have to go and buy it it's such a beautiful piece of work adam collins joins us yeah adam collins yeah here, there, and everywhere. Hardest working man in showbiz, and the best <laughs> hair in cricket journalism. Life behind the bowler's arm. He's written. He's I'm gone and that personally. He's <laughs> gone and <laughs> he's gone and uh, taken the steps up to the top of the G, the MCG, and met this hardy bunch of souls who, um, morning, noon, and night, sit there watching Sheffield Shield cricket matches in a hundred thousand. Amphitheatre uh, built up of about seventeen people, of which these boys make up about half a dozen. But it's a beautiful glimpse into the eternal strangeness of the cricket watcher's minds. So that's and lovely. It's, that it's you, also that's what Adam Collins would be if he wasn't a cricket writer. Totally, it? <laughs> totally. Um, yeah, look, lots of other good stuff. Um, Felix Felix White's written a lovely, lovely piece on Rahul Dravid as yeah, well. Yeah. Um, it's Joe Harms interviewed too. Matthew Maynard uh, about his life in cricket. Um, uh courtney walsh ollie poper shot making master class he is a good player just because he had a bad game he's a very good player don't <laughs> yeah. worry about that and the, perhaps the coup de grace um Catherine brunt's perfect day at the cricket mm-hmm. uh not for the faint-hearted let's say i had to edit rather a lot out of the transcripts because really? uh, this is a family magazine um but it's fair to say that she's she, she's uh She's in good spirits down under where she is at the minute. So yeah, look, it's a good it's a good magazine. This one it comes out Wednesday this week. Uh, it's one of the best we've done. Uh, and if you need any more convincing, Jonathan Lew on Virat Kohli and in the Indian captain's cartoon world might just take the biscuit.
2: Yeah, lovely. Right. So back to back to the the real world. Oh. Um, <laughs> uh, the, while England struggled on the field, there has been some good news for English cricket this week, at least for its. Visibility and popularity, it it might be bad, but at least people will be talking about it. Go on. Uh, ben Stokes has been nominated oh. for BBC Sports Personality of the Year and is the overwhelming favourite to win that, which I guess is yeah, sport, and, but good news. And
1: advocated by none other than... Ed Sheeran, yeah. Ed Sheeran. Who
2: managed to not mention, I you, you'd think if you're going to get Ed Sheeran, he's going to say, my, my fellow red-headed friend or something, and, and didn't, so
1: it well, he must mean he means it. He's such a born innovator, Ed Sheeran, you know, <laughs> and he just thinks outside the box, you know, he's he's, he's a natural artist. Yeah, look, it's gonna be, it's gonna be Stokesy's to lose, isn't it? Yeah, he's just got a couple of weeks to do something really naughty. <laughs> <laughs> no, it can't be anybody else. No. Uh, you know, the year it speaks for itself.
2: Raheem Sterling's just given him another push in the in the right direction as well. With yes, his, uh, yes, true, Reaching true. Recent antics. Uh, Why did
1: that bloke who drives a racing car doesn't get it?
2: Uh, and the, the other bit of good news is that uh, Labour in their manifesto have pledged to Careful. add the cricket world cup to the, to the crown jewels list meaning it will have to be shown on free to air tv now that the, the free to air issue has been such like a it's in a long running thing and a, and, a, and a vex issue mm. uh, and uh, people have been quite critical of the ECB for it but their argument has been that they need the money from sky to survive basically needs to do all the things that they mm-hmm. want to do which is why people will say maybe they should have the lords test on free to air each year mm-hmm. but they'll say that, that will cost them hundreds of millions of pounds whether that figure is accurate or not is up to people to decide but the thing with this with Labour's decision or with Labour's policy is that that money the Cricket World Cup rights money goes to the ICC rather than to the ECB yep uh, so they wouldn't be taking any money away from the governing body of, of English sport they'd be taking it away from some from nuts so I think it's actually it's a really clever way of doing it I'm actually surprised it that that's the first time I really had that idea said like the Lord's mm-hmm. Test idea has been quite a prominent one but that's a, a really clever way of doing it I think so yeah that's good but uh,
1: well, it wouldn't it would almost certainly never see the light of day but it's, it's sure it's, it's a laudable scheme nonetheless <laughs> just go and vote folks yeah you want to vote that's for, it yeah it.
2: so speaking of tv australia will be the subject of an all or nothing style amazon prime video documentary really? series yeah detailing their journey from the aftermath of the bull tampering scandal to their reclaiming of the ashes this summer it's quite a, a ballsy decision to make after the aftermath of that to say right this is now when we want to do a documentary. Uh,
1: yeah, but it makes a lot of sense. Um, I've spoken to people at the ECB and asked them why they haven't been looking to do it themselves. Mm. If cricket is struggling for accessibility, if cricket is fearing uh, that it may be drifting further into the margins of people's lives, then no better way to try and reinstitute it into people's lives than than something like this. Uh, I think it's a smart move. Um, uh, it will be fascinating to watch and how, look- how it plays out across the, the Ashes in particular, you know, with... The horrors of Smith at Lords, um uh, and that kind of undulating series—you know—it would be a really interesting glimpse into their dressing room.
2: Yeah, and it looks from the trade like they're really like these things are always relaxed. Like <laughs> this, you're always surprised by the amount of access they they have. But you've got like when Steve Smith gets felled by that Joffrey Archer so they've got the video of Justin Langer sort of speaking warily into his walkie-talkie, right. hearing and yep. being told, yep. and that sort of thing. And you've got you've also got Tim Payne in the dressing room at, at Headingley after. Ben Stokes has like blow, blown blown course. the world apart of course, and yeah. uh, everyone with their head in their hands but he's sort of there sounding quite convincing actually from the trailer saying like uh, look we know we've got our processes it's hard to take but if we do what we've been doing we'll win one of the two test matches and we'll regain the ashes and we'll yeah. retain the ashes and that's what they did uh, so yeah, that, that, that looks really good it'll be out in early 2020 so so make sure to, yeah, it'll be, it'll to be get be your prime video subscriptions
1: um, my team Spurs are doing the same thing rather rather <laughs> classic uh, foot in mouth uh effort on their part yeah, there's more uh, sun until i die isn't it than a yeah indeed um yeah I, I, as i say i spoke to people at the ecb earlier this year and said in kind of the first or second month of this year and, and said surely this is the summer to do this mm. and i think they'd had more than a few options uh, more than a few offers that they'd uh, turned down up until that point i imagine there's been a few more since as well but if ever you've th- missed a, a chance to really explode the game, then it would have been this summer, getting it, getting it on film, immortalising it with one of the big beasts, an Amazon Prime or a Netflix, just get it out there, get it done. Uh, but there was a lot of resistance from certain figures right at the top of the game. Um, and inside and outside the dressing room as well, so it became un- uh, unnecessary or rather unrealistic for it to take place.
2: Yeah, you don't want. England, I guess they don't want England to have lost the World Cup and for then people to suggest that was why. But that seems like a sort of a pessimistic way of looking at it, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah
1: indeed. Anyway, missed opportunity. Fascinating to see the Aussie one. I'll be up, I'd be up for that. Uh, just finally Ben what's your moment of the week
2: yeah I've got one thanks Phil it's uh, it's a pleasure it's absolutely absolutely a pleasure so it was uh, was actually Kais Ahmed uh, bowling a bouncer to Andre Russ in the T10 Uh, league did you see this clip yeah I
1: did it reminded me of Ian Sykes Ian Sykes, boss of Cricket Properties Limited, one of our companies that we work for. He bowls, he bowls that to me in the nets all the time, but <laughs> doing it for 20 years, leg spinner and occasional bouncer.
2: Yeah. Do you, how did you, do you play it better than Andre Russell did? Or? I,
1: I couldn't ever hook it because I was never, never ready for it, but I could see it coming. Um, but there's been a lot of talk around that delivery that it's just a sign of how the game's opened up since, uh, since T20 and now... Well, Ian Sykes was doing this to me. Ian Sykes was doing this to me before T20 had even become a thing in professional cricket. Be ahead of the curve as ever.
2: Yeah, I I think, uh, I mean, the whole clip is great because, I mean, the thing is is that it's not just a leg spinner bowling a bouncer in T20 cricket. It's a 19-year-old leg spinner like making his way in the game bowling to the the greatest hitter there's kind of Mm -hmm. maybe ever been. Mm -hmm. Uh, And putting him on his bum. Exactly, and Russell gets quite close to sort of clipping it over the keeper but get, yeah, gets knocked over and then calls for a lid right after quite cheap good lead. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, oh, I it's never really call for a lid against Sykes. Yeah. <laughs> you got to go and dig out and watch it. Uh, cool. Well, before we end... And he's, he's in the 100, isn't he? Kays is Ahmed? Yeah, yeah, he is, yeah. Good stuff. Broadening
1: yeah. the game all the time. It's great to see. Yeah.
2: Uh, so before we end, we've got a special offer to thank you for listening. You can get your hands on 10 basically free exclusive craft beers from Bro. around the world courtesy of our friends at beer52.com that's beer52.com beer52.com all you need to do is go to beer52.com beer52.com forward slash wisdom and all it will cost you is four pounds 95 for the postage get out yeah i'm gonna sign up phil's gonna sign up he doesn't even like beer so <laughs> i, <laughs> so I, I can, on
1: that. yeah i can tolerate a beer nothing yeah. more than that beer52.com slash wisdom
2: yeah uh, it's, a, it's, a re- it's actually a really really good deal and I am actually going to sign up I'm not just saying it because
1: I, I already have and that's the truth
2: yeah there you go uh, right that's it from us we'll continue with our daily pods during the next England Zealand test with Yaz Rana joined by Wizard Almanac editor Lawrence Booth and staff Rice Tar Hashim so make sure you catch those and if you enjoyed listening please tell your friends about us subscribed and if you really really liked it leave us a nice five-star review on the app of your choice cheers
1: see ya